But the aspects that I think are not often discussed when building a venture fund is really the time and emotional commitment. Having spoken to so many founders of well-known venture firms and now building my own, I can attest that there's a high degree of mind space, both from a time and emotional commitment. Fortunately, Shuram is my partner in crime and he's truly compliments me with his skill sets where our partnership, you know, one plus one equals eight. But more importantly, there's a trusted partnership here that I know during the lowest of lows, we'll push each other to succeed. Today, we had Sunil Chai on the board. Sunil is a co-founder and GP at Kearney Jackson. Kearney Jackson is an early stage venture fund focused on backing SaaS, infrastructure, and fintech founders. Before founding Kearney Jackson, Sunil worked as an investor at firms like Milno Ventures, Next World Capital, and Tanaya Cap. Over there, he backed firms like Gong, Aircall, Observe, .ai and others. During our conversation, we covered a bunch of topics, starting from his early life experiences to the founding story of Kearney Jackson, the importance of portfolio construction, fundraising process, less discussed aspects when building a VC firm, questions that one should ask LPs, high and lows of building a VC firm, and much more. Now I bring you Sunil Chaya. Sunil! Man, I'm excited to have you on the pod. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Such a pleasure to be here. Let's dive right into it, Sunil. You know, typically we are really a product of our environment. I would love to understand, you know, what influenced you the most growing up and how did you get into the world of venture capital? So I am extremely proud and immensely grateful to have such an international upbringing. Um, my family has migrated all over the world seeking for better opportunities. For starters, um, my grandparents were born in India, migrated to Kenya under the British colony. My parents were born in Kenya and then relocated to the UK. I myself was born in the south of France in Nice and had several pit stops through Munich, Boston, London, New York, before landing in, in San Francisco. But my Obsession with technology really started at a young age as my father worked in the semiconductor industry when Mobile World Congress would still take place in the south of France in Cannes. And his work would take him all around the world where he would always greet me with the latest prototypes of cell phones for me to test out and give him constructive feedback. And this product first mentality that I developed at a young age is something that I still take pride in when evaluating new investment opportunities. and. Overall, I would say that my life journey of learning new languages, cultures was one that constantly tested my adaptability and resilience, but more importantly, really shaped me into becoming the investor I am today. Got it. Uh, such a diverse uh, you know, upbringing you've had, uh, Sunil. And, you know, what was, how do you first get into uh venture capital and follow up would be who introduced you to uh, Sharam Krishnan? Yeah, that's a, that's a great, uh, great question. So I've been fortunate that I started my venture career at a very young age. I was 23 when I joined the industry and um, did my two years of M uh, tech M&A. And that was my right of passage into the, into the venture world here in San Francisco. Um, you know, you had the option of going into hedge fund, private equity, but the world of venture was uh, one that had a, a lot of appeal to me. And the story behind, behind Shriram and I, um, is a, is a fascinating one. We actually got introduced through a VC fantasy soccer league where actually a number of our peers, including 
our friends at Index, our friends at uh, Bain and, and Kleiner Perkins are all involved. Um, but the origin story of, of Kearney Jackson, which is the name of the fund, Kearney and Jackson are two, street in Sam, two streets in, in San Francisco that intersect. It is a place where Shriram and I exchanged deal flow, met with founders, and more importantly, laid the foundation to our friendship. We, we met there two to three times a week, and over the time, these streets became more significant to us as they also represented the intersection of both our backgrounds, Shriram as the operator and founder, and myself as the institutional investor. And back then, we, when we, uh, back then when we thought Kearney Jackson would be a good name for a project, it ultimately turned out to be a great name for a venture fund. Man, I love the story. Uh, and uh, Sunil, uh, you know, you were working at uh, Melno Park and at the time, and, you know, you ended up meeting uh, Shiram. And what was, what was the thought process for you and him starting a fund together? Uh, you know, was it mostly primarily based on one? Yes, the skill sets are pretty complementary. He comes from that operator first. You come from investing first. Uh, also, would love to understand, like, how did you evaluate each other as well? That's a, a great question. And, you know, the we, we first had a fundamental friendship in place. And when Shrams first started KJ, he approached me and said, hey, um, I have a great network of, of founders and operators who are constantly inviting me to join the cap table. And the one thing that was lacking on his end was the institutional mindset and the way I thought about evaluating opportunities. And at first I saw him as an opportunity of, oh, wow, this individual has a great network. And at the time I was predominantly focusing on series A investments. So there was not really any overlap between what he was doing and what I was doing. So this was a great lead gen for, for me down the road. And as we kept meeting up with founders at Kearney and Jackson two to three times a week, what we started hearing from founders was that you get two investors for the price of one. You get this amazing individual who's had experience scaling teams internationally, who has built companies from the ground up. And you get this other individual who brings also a, a different set of skills, which include you know, um, the institutional mind. How, how do you essentially build the governance of a company, the operations of a company? And founders often said to us that we are some of the most helpful investors on the cap table. And at that point, as we kept building our relationships and trust for the last six years, it became obvious to us that we need to scale Kenny Jackson to the next level and was very fortunate to, to have joined him full time about a year and a half ago. Got it. So it was a lot of it was really naturally driven and uh Sunil, now, you know, the next step for you guys was to uh, come up with a portfolio construction. And how was the portfolio construction for you? Uh, and why is it important? Yeah, so the, the best portfolio is, is essentially to have 100% of your capital in your best performing company. And that's something that you just cannot do. No, no LP will underwrite that. Portfolio construction is a critical aspect of venture that involves strategically selecting and managing a diversified set of investments. It essentially plays a key role in managing risk, maximizing returns, and ultimately achieving the investment objectives that you share with your LPs. And there are several considerations that need to be accounted for when 
you know, doing that fun, fun modeling. Um, the first is really understanding the, the investment thesis and focus. This determines the sectors and industries you want to target with your fund. Are you going to go after a niche market or one that is established and continues to grow? For us, we are focusing on SaaS and infrastructure. The second is really stage focus. Are you going to be pre-seed, seed, early stage, growth stage? And that's important because check sizes across those various stages are different and will need to be accounted for in modeling the size of the fund. The third piece is really risk management. What is your risk reward appetite? This is the number of portfolio companies that you have and the ownership you have in them. The beauty of, when, of doing fund modeling is that there isn't a right or wrong answer in constructing a fund model. The caveat being, as long as you can showcase to LPs that your strategy is defensible and that there's a line of sight for them to be able to get rewarded from taking this risk. The last piece I will share is always stick with the strategy that you pitch. For example, if you're a growth stage firm and you say you're going to have 15 portfolio companies with an average of 20% ownership, don't end up with 30 companies with 10% ownership. Even if you have a strategy drift, which is what this is called, you may end up compromising your trust with LPs. And if your strategy didn't work, you will be in hot waters. So ultimately, take the time to build the strategy. Make sure that it is true to you and not what the LP wants to hear. Because at the end of the day, you will be in charge of running that playbook yourself and you're responsible for that. Got it. And so what's the portfolio construction look like for Kearney and Jackson? So for, for, for KJ here, we are building a robust portfolio of 35 to 40 companies. The core strategy of what we are building uh, will be 30 to 32 companies where we will invest one, uh, 500K to $1.5 million into pre-seed and seed stage rounds where we will acquire 7 to 10% ownership. And we'll also have a non-core strategy where we will invest into five to seven companies where our ownership thresholds won't be met. Got it. And uh, Sunil, the next step for you uh, both, you know, once you had the uh, portfolio construction in place, now, okay, let's now go and uh, pitch to LPs and raise capital. How has the process been? If you can like walk me through your process, you know, how did you reach out to the LPs? Did you categorize them? Uh, and just the, you know, in general, the process of fundraising. Sure. It's, uh, it's very funny. I found that a lot of the advice that I would give to my founders were ones that ended up adopting in our own fundraising process. And maybe a specific example I'd like to give is, uh, this is something that I tell my founders all the time, acquire a customer that will grow with you. And what I mean by that is a customer that will give you product feedback, will grow with you when you grow in size, increase the amount that they, that they pay you, and more importantly, won't churn after one year. The same is true for an LP. Find an LP that will help you navigate macro cycles, help you up-level your, your fund, and it won't churn after one fund cycle. And in principle, it, this sounds e easy, but requires a lot of pre-vetting and back-channeling. And if you don't pre-vet, you're at risk of spending cycles with an LP that may never be a fit for you and ultimately won't invest in your fund. Shriram and I have been very fortunate to have an amazing community of emerging and established managers in our network who have helped us not only pre-vet, but also facilitate introductions. In this industry, you must seek warm introductions. And once you do seek those warm introductions, there are a few simple questions that you can ask. Um, and we'll share a few that we ask 
at the pre-seed and seed stage to, to pre-vet and help prioritize our LP discussions. And some of those questions include, what are your views on early stage venture? Do you have dry powder to invest? Who are the recent managers that you backed recently? What is your typical check size and the process to make a fund investments? Once you have pre-vetted, once we have pre-vetted, we prioritize deepening a relationship with select LPs we, where we spend time with them both online and offline. And one rule that we have here at KJ is that at least one of the GPs, either Shriram or myself, will need to meet the LP in person before taking the commitment. This is important to us because we want to have both a strategic partner and a long-term capital partner over multiple advantages. And building that trust is something that we need to do in person too. One last piece of advice that was given to me um, early in my career was that, you know, you should start building LP relationships as soon as you can, because they may take a few years to pay dividends. And now looking back, I assure you they certainly have. <laughs> no, very interesting. You know, the first step would be, you know, go after uh, warm introductions and then know your customers who are actually so you can optimize your time. Uh, and then just build relationship for the long term. And I really like the analogy that, you know, you'd often tell your founders, uh, you know, uh, acquire customers who are going to, you know, grow with you and help grow you as well. And same for you, you know, you want to work with LPs who's going to you know, grow with you and help you grow. Uh, and they're there with you for the long term. Sunil, with this, you know, I would say what's something that, you know now in terms of fundraising you wish you knew earlier oh that's uh so many different things i i feel like i'm a decade wiser already but you know um they you know maybe the, another way to inter interpret this question would be you know why would one sort of fund or why one wouldn't right in that sense and uh at the end of the day you know for me it really comes down to to my drivers right um for me, it's just this high degree of intellectual curiosity, a constant need to scratch a niche to understand how some of the recent advancements can solve fundamental problems and in, in, this, in that way also create enterprise value. But it's also this high degree of empathy, which stems from my international upbringing. And by empathy, I mean envisioning the same world that a founder sees when their product or experience exists and understanding the potential impact it can have. Um, and to give a, a concrete example of this, um, you know, I always like to share the story of an investment I made in a company called Gong, uh, which is an investment I made at a Series A. And to give you some of the game film uh, that I have, every venture firm that I worked for uh, invested in a new age CRM. And each of these CRM companies had some differentiated features. But after a few years, these differentiated features became commoditized. And when we spoke to the CEO, me, he spoke about his experience running um, SciSense, a large BI company based in Israel, and lacking the visibility into these calls, sales calls mainly, because the data that was manu manually inputted into the CRM was not sufficient. On average, a CRM entry is roughly 30 words. And in an hour conversation, you have 6,000 words being exchanged. So what Gong did differently was they inserted themselves at the point of the conversation, the sales calls, recorded these conversations that would be historically lost, and then leveraged natural language processing to analyze the conversations and ultimately allow business segments, including sales, marketing, product, 
to leverage that unit of data for their own business use case. So if you're a product manager and you're figuring out what should my product roadmap look like, you can actually go into Gong and hear what customers care about in terms of uh, you know, different integrations that they care about. And all this to be said, um, without having that experience or having, without, having not experienced those pain points myself, it would have been harder to align with the founders at the earlier stages, yet alone supported these founders. That being said, you know, there's a lot of things that I learned throughout this, this process, um, you know, even when building KJ and understanding the gaps uh, in the market, the strategy, and that can be as simple as geographical focus, Bay Area or Bangalore only, stage focus, early stage or late stage, sector focus, is it a niche market or being a generalist, founder focus, diverse founders, first time founders, repeat entrepreneurs, and all those aspects are something that you need to think about quite deeply to understand like what are going to be your long-term modes as a, as a fund manager and as a fund. But the aspects that I think are not often discussed when building a venture fund is really the time and emotional commitment. Having spoken to so many founders of well-known venture firms and now building my own, I can attest that there's a high degree of mind space, both from a time and emotional commitment. Similar to building a company, they're going to be high highs and low lows. Yeah. Um, fortunately, Shuram is a, 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 my partner in crime, and he truly complements me with his skill sets. Where our partnership, you know, one plus one equals eight. But more importantly, there's a trusted partnership here that I know during the lowest of lows will push each other to succeed. And having that trust in place is fundamental to building any VC firm. And you need to make sure that you have that before you embark on this journey with anyone else. The two other piece to I want to talk about too is, is responsibility. You often hear about VCs speaking about their fiduciary duties to LPs. And here at KJ, we don't take that lightly. As our number one metric for success is making sure that we distribute more money back to our LPs than we are given. And this is often measured as DPI or also known as distributed to paid in capital. The last point I will make here, and one that is something that I think about on a daily basis, is the responsibilities I have to my founders and companies. The decisions that you make on the board as an investor will not only have an outsized impact on the outcome of the business, but also the livelihood of the people who work there. And I want to share a piece of advice that was given to me very early in my career, which was not to rush to becoming a partner, but instead watch the game film play, game film play out uh, on both the successes and mistakes that other people's make, other people make before jumping into that seat. And this will give you a true appreciation on the role and responsibilities that you'll be taking as an investor. Love it. And Sunil, uh, the last point that you mentioned, uh, it's a great segue to the question that I'm going to ask now is, you know, you've taken the path where you worked at high performing funds and decided to become an emerging fund manager, partner up with somebody, you know, you trust and you see complementary skill sets and can really work with somebody for the you know next decades to come. If let's say I was in your shoe and I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about taking the same path, but I want to learn from someone who's already done it. So I don't make the mistakes that that person has done it. Uh, and that gets me, uh, do these things more efficiently and faster. What advice would you give the framework uh, to take the path that you've taken? 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the advice that I, I mentioned still holds, which is surround yourself with people who are going to be, you know, teaching you and, and giving you advice on, on, on how to, how, how to, how to essentially run a business, right? Whether you're an operator and you want to figure out how to invest, you can stop by angel investing. If you want to become a venture capitalist, you can, you know, there are plenty of amazing firms in India or around the world where you can start sharpening your, your, your tool set and mind and building that game film. And that game film will become sort of a, a, a differentiator in, in sort of the, the mindset that you build. And that over time will help you win deals in the long run. Um, and don't rush in, don't rush into that role. Make sure that you're ready and comfortable so that when you do come into my shoes, you're able to, in other words, kick ass and uh, not learn on the job. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, aligns with the saying that says prepare and, and study and, you know, your opportunity will come. Exactly. And uh, Sunil, with this, uh, you know, what's your uh, take on, you know, the Indian tech ecosystem? Have you been hearing? Are you interested? Just want to understand where are you coming from? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think I speak for both Sharam and I when when I say we continue to be extremely bullish on the entrepreneurial ecosystem in India. Um, Kearney Jackson has been a beneficiary of this ecosystem as we are investors in companies like Katabook and Observe.ai. And just even outside of that, we continue to see the impact that the Indian tech ecosystem continues to have across all organizations around the world. And my opinion is that India has only scratched the surface and we are extremely excited to see what's ahead for the ecosystem in the, in the decades to come. Got it. And uh, yeah, you guys do invest uh, in, uh, in Indian companies you already have. And the focus area is back to, again, it's the infrastructure, uh, SaaS and FinTech, correct? That's correct. Yes, our two core swim lanes here at Kuni Jackson are focused on SaaS infrastructure. And the third swim lane, which is a, a minority, is fintech. 80% um, of our investments will be made here in, the, in North America, uh, but we do reserve 20% for regions outside of North America, which very much include India. Got it. And uh, with this, Sunil, uh, you know, my, my co-pilot, uh, Alfonso, wants to come in. And uh, and he never asked questions directly. He would ask me to ask the guests. So what he's asking is, uh, Sunil, what's your day like? Oh, a typical day. Like? Well, you know the there are so many different hats I'm wearing on on any given day, and those are some of the the, the some of the the benefits of running your own own fun, and also the favorite aspects like get me out of bed. Um, which means that there's also a lot of context switching from one meeting to another. You know, I start my day as early as 6 a.m. just because I may be taking calls with, with Europe or Asia. And um, I can be taking LP meetings. And, um, you know, that in those meetings, I'll be continuously building trust with pr prospective LPs or existing LPs. On any given day, I also may be meeting with multiple founders across different domains. And what that means is that you got to stay on top of the different businesses that you care about. 
for us, the, those two domains include SaaS and infrastructure. And that requires you to have a high degree of acumen to be able to ask the right questions. This helps you ensure that you're picking the right companies to invest. And lastly, you also have the role of managing your portfolio and ensuring that you're con continuously supporting the founders across the different stages of a company's life cycle, uh, whether they're still de-risking product or scaling operations. All this to be said, um, what, whatever hat I may be wearing, whether it's a fundraising hat, sourcing companies, managing portfolio, I still always have to be um, operating or running at 200%. And that's the beauty of the job. I'm always finding ways to upskilling upskilling myself. And honestly, that just never gets old. What's the most undesirable part of your day? Ooh, um, for me, it's um, some of the, the sort of the back end office. There's a lot of legal complexities and just people complexities as there's different entities you're working with when managing your own fund. Uh, thankfully, my, my partner in crime, uh, I, who I hope will, won't be listening to this, is, is phenomenal at managing this. And, um, and he, he does an uh, impeccable job in, in, in supporting the two of us. But uh, that's why I have him as my partner. And but there's <laughs> some other aspects that I, I don't like the, the most. Got it. Got it. Now we know the real reason, Sunil. Uh, and, uh, you know, we know you as an investor. What do your friends know you for? Who are you outside of work? Yeah, so outside of building Kearney Jackson, the, the little time I have is really spent with family and friends. Physical activity has become a daily regiment through soccer. I'm a big Arsenal fan and a French national fan and or just getting a, a workout in. But sort of to tie it back to my personal journey, one thing I'm, I'm deeply passionate and known for is just my travels. As an individual, I value diversity of thought and experiences and and through travel, I get the opportunity to meet new people, learn about different cultures and values. And if you're a foodie like me, um, I certainly enjoy new cuisines and eateries around the world. Got it. If you could only have one cuisine, uh, what would that be? Any, any day and every day will be my mom's cooking Indian food. I am Gujarati. And so my mom's just a phenomenal cook and, uh, I unfortunately don't get to enjoy her cooking as much, but uh, it's something that I, you know, I look forward to every time I see her. Got it. Got it. Uh, and yeah, I think uh, Shiram is also a big uh, soccer uh, fan as well. Are you guys following the same team or supporting the same team or two different? No, we, um, I think it's healthy to have some, some level of, of uh, competition outside of sort of the, the collaboration that we have on a day to day. And yeah. uh, as I mentioned, we, our friendship started through the VC Fantasy Soccer League that we are both involved in to this day. And my partner, Shiram, is a big Manchester United fan. And, um, and I'm a big Arsenal fan. Thankfully, I'm glad to say that my team ended up being um, ranked higher in the English Premier League this year compared to his. But I do have to say that he's a much better fantasy player than I am over the last few years. Uh, but I'm hoping that that would change this year. Got it, guy. And Sunil, uh, what's your relationship with health? With health, well, yeah. I, I, um, you know, I mentioned you know physical activity as being an extremely important piece, um, and you know that physical activity helps me with my own mental health. 
right? You're constantly, I am working from home, as you can all see here, and, uh, you know, getting some, some sunlight and going on runs and clearing my mind is something that you really, really, really have to do as a, as a fund manager. And one thing that we prioritize within KJ is making sure that every day that we at least go for a walk, that we at least go for a workout. And this is something that we also push to our founders, ensuring that they are prioritizing their own mental health and physical activity and that they're bringing that level of uh, awareness within the, the company's culture and organization. Got it. And has this been a recent thing for you personally, Sunil, where you are, uh, you know, focusing on health or this has been, uh, you know, a way of living for you? Um, for me, you know, I think early in my 20s, I realized the importance of this and partially because I saw how much my other partners and GPs were prioritizing their own health and mental health too. And um, I realized that this job can have a heavy toll on you if you don't prioritize that early on. And, you know, um, you know, many people have families and other responsibilities outside of work. And so uh, in, in addition to building a fund, you got to make sure that you're prioritizing your own health, because if you're not prioritizing your own health, then none of this can be happening. And similarly to our founders, you know, relying on our capital, we, you know, they also rely on us to be healthy and to be sharp on top of not only the industry trends that we have, but to be able to be supportive of them on a daily basis and ensure that they're going to be successful. And and being of you know 200% mental and physical help is of essence for us here at KJ. Got it. And Sunil, if you could invite three uh, folks, dead or alive, uh, to a dinner table, who would they be and why? Ooh. Um... Um, I've always been a big fan of just economists. So Milton Friedman, uh, just because he's been someone who, when I started my, my journey as a sort of a scholar, I was an economist by training and he was someone who I looked up, up to in regards to my journey as I was thinking to become a PhD in economics, uh, in economics. I would say the second one would, would be closer to home would be Peter Fenton. I've been very fortunate. Peter Fenton is a general partner at Benchmark and someone who I got to sit in the boardrooms with uh, early in my career. And he was someone who I looked up to very early because of the way he was able to navigate a board meeting and being able to ask the right set of questions to lead the founder to understand why he was asking that question and for the founder to answer the question that he was asking, essentially, and to understand what, what was the rationale behind it. And the last person would be um, would be just a, a, a soccer player that I have always sort of cherished uh, since a young age, uh, Zinedine yeah. Zidane. And, you know, he's, he's someone who I got to watch, you know, in, in my formative years, and as I still continue to play soccer today, someone who I continue to go back and look at his videos and his style of playing, which I try to imitate on my on my uh, weekly basis as I go out and play on the fields. Got it. So it looks like uh, 
economics, uh, investing, and sports uh, sort of like defines you. And uh, Sunil, thank you so much. I really appreciate you for uh, coming on the pod. I had a lot of fun uh, doing it with you. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure.